Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. I'm kicking it off Teacher Appreciation Week, which starts May 2nd. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators, they're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them. And they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Jackie Scully. Welcome to The Teacher's Story. And today we have Sally Palmer with us. And I'm really excited because I met Sally on LinkedIn and LinkedIn has a wonderful teacher community. And uh, we had a couple of phone calls before setting up this interview, and I learned so much about her, and I'm excited to learn even more today. So thank you, Sally. You're welcome. So my first question for you is um, something in your background or childhood that maybe led you into teaching or wanting to get into education. Well, I think I mentioned a little bit before, I actually never intended to get into education. I actually didn't like school very much. I intended to work with wildlife and work with animals until I had a teacher while I was in high school and I was learning all about zoology. And I had a teacher tell me, no, you can't do that because you're not tall enough for police training. So everything I had self-taught just flew out the window, it was gone. I still don't, I, to this day, I don't remember those things. But I did start early. I took a child development class because I wanted to know a little bit. I'm the oldest of, of seven kids. So I wanted to know a little bit about child development. I took those classes. I volunteered in my brother's classrooms a little bit while I was still in high school. And then when my son was in was in school, when he first started Head Start, I already had my social work degree. Mm -hmm. And so I started volunteering in the classroom and she pushed me. She said, well, you're doing really well over there. You need a job doing this instead of what you're doing. And she kept pushing and she called down, talked to the administrators and yelled at them because they didn't call me for interviews. And then I started calling them. So I got in part-time. Mm -hmm. Then... I, actually, I started off part-time as, as just a lunch helper. Then I got in full-time as a tutor. Then I was like, okay, I think I like this. I went back to school and I got my bachelor, I got my associates in early childhood. Then I went back again and got my bachelor's in early childhood. And little by little, I just built up until I was a teacher. Wow, that's a great story. And some things that stood out to me that I feel like are important, um, I don't know, points that I think people can connect with is how important teachers are in the impact they make on you, whether that's positive or negative. And so you could have a teacher who makes a negative impact by saying like, oh no, you can't do that. And then it completely kind of changes your like whole pathway. Um, or you can have a teacher inspire you to go into something. So I think both yourself and me, like being in that role, it's so important to be that like good influence on these young kids' lives. It is. Um, yeah. And my, my dad was a, a social worker too. He retired a few years ago, but um, I got to see firsthand what that life looked like. And that's, that's hard job too. Oh yes, yeah, definitely. And I think they really go hand in hand. Do. I believe that my, my social work background is actually very important in what I do because I've taught Head Start, which is considered to be what we call high risk, high needs mm -hmm. families and children. And so my social work background has, has served very well with that. Yes, absolutely. I think as teachers, 
And this is why I'm really excited to interview you today because I'm a high school teacher and most of the teachers I've interviewed so far are high school. And so to then learn about the early education experience, see things that are different in our experiences, but the same, I think is really neat. Like we've talked about that on the phone. Um, but we wear so many hats as teachers and often like, yeah, the social work aspect does come into play. Like you learn about these kids' lives and you can't but help, but care for them because they're your students and they're in front of you eight hours a day. I mean, we're with them during the school year, sometimes more than their own parents. And I was just talking with the, a teacher on the last episode about all the things you learn about what these kids are going through. Um, and if you are working in like a low income area, like I did in Hawaii, um, it's, it's gut-wrenching, it's hard. And so that social work hat kind of comes into play. And sometimes the counselor hat comes into play. Mm -hmm. So you're right. That foundation, I think is great for them launching into education. That's awesome that someone saw something in you and kind of like pushed you in that direction. And then you found like your love for it. That's really, really, really great. Yeah, it was, it was interesting the way that happened, because like I said, I skipped SCOMA, you would never, I actually, a couple of my teachers found out that I was teaching, and they, I was told that they laughed and laughed, because I refused, I skipped, I skipped a lot of school, <laughs> junior high and high school, and then to find out that I get up every day, it's like, okay, I don't like to go to bed at night, but I'm going to bed, I'm getting up early, I'm going to school to yeah. teach, yeah. so it completely reversed. That is so funny, I know I've had conversations with some teachers, even like in my current life now, but in the past that um, I was like the, you know, goody two shoes, like, you know, kiss up to the teacher kind of, you know, nerdy, like kind of kid. But so many teachers that I've talked to, they're like, I was the bad kid, or I was like Mm -hmm. the class clown, or I got detentions all the time, or I was like, C student doing bare minimum, don't care. And then they get into teaching and they excel. And it's just kind of interesting. Like, I think Students think we were all these amazing students in school, but really it's usually the opposite. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then we're inspired to want to make change because maybe we felt like like your experience. And I've had those kind of experiences, particularly in middle and high school, where I didn't feel like there were teachers there for me. I didn't think that they saw me or wanted to like inspire me. So it's kind of like now our mission to be like, well, we want to do that for kids, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I did. Now I'm not going to, I did have some really good teachers. And mm-hmm. so with me, from my experience, it's like, okay, these are the things I didn't like. And these are the things that wanted to keep me away from school. Yeah. And then here are these other teachers that were really great. And so I have some, I have both sides to look at. And so I have the inspiration to tell me, okay, let's do this. Let's do these things and more of that and add to it and make the, make the kids want to be here, make yeah. the families want to be here. Cause sometimes yeah. I get very hostile families yeah. early on and they're, they're totally, they've had bad experiences in school. And so they don't come in with necessarily a positive attitude. Mm-hmm. And that, therefore, I want to help them to feel like, why, why is school a good thing? Why yeah. is it a good thing for you to bring your children in and encourage them to also participate in the education process? Yes, that's so important. I think that's such a good perspective of that. If parents had a bad experience in school, that's how they're going to look at it. And that's why they may come into the school program, either not engaged or like maybe more, you know, combative or just wanting to push against the system. But I think to have that understanding of where, I think knowing more about our parents is really important. And I said this earlier on another episode too, that I think bringing parents into the whole community and saying, we want to work with you. Like the teachers want to work with you, with the administration, and we want to hear your ideas too. And if we do it as like more of a welcoming, instead of like parents are complaining about this, and now it's like a back and forth, like, you know, we've heard 
brawls happen at school boards. Yes. You know, you got to invite the parents in. They're the parents. They are the ones that are responsible for these kids and their voice matters too. Like I think their concerns and their ideas matter. And as long as like, we're not really listening to them and saying, we're just doing this, then they're going to be like combative. So I think there needs to be a welcoming of parents. There does. And that's one of the things I think working with early childhood, that, that is really a good thing because I feel like, man, I'm right here at the beginning. Yeah. I'm starting off. And if I can help yeah. these parents, if I can help the children have a good attitude and want to come to school, if I can help the parents feel or guardians, whoever is taking care of that child, feel like they're welcome and they're part of the process and they want to be involved right from the beginning. I think that makes such a huge difference oh, sure. in, in yeah. the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. What you have to do with the early, like early education is so crucial. Like I think there needs to be more attention put on early education. I think in society, we don't often think that's such an important role. I honestly, as a high school teacher, think that elementary, lower school, early ed is way more, it's way more difficult and it's way more um, significant to development than even what I'm doing or obviously at the college level. So early ed is like where it's all beginning. You're just beginning to learn how to learn, learn how to maybe possibly start reading, learning how to explore and get engaged in their learning process and then also working with parents. So it's a very difficult job. So I give it up to you and everyone in early education. I have a cousin who also is in early education and she runs a um, early ed program out of her home. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. <laughs> it's really, it is. a lot, yeah. Um, my next question is kind of getting more into your early teaching experiences. You could talk about like the first one or just kind of in general, some of your experiences early on, anything that was great, anything that was like an aha moment, you learned from it, or like, this was really difficult, or this was a real struggle that you want to share? Well, like I said, it's, it's been a long process. And like I told you, I think before when I first started, they give you these big manuals, you have a great big manual, one that was K through because I'm teaching early childhood, but I still had the, the K through, I think, middle school book that shows all the things they're supposed to learn yeah. and the, the outcomes. And then I had the Head Start manual that shows all the things. And so I actually went through and read those books mm. and looked at, OK, these are the things. Look, when they go, this is what I'm supposed to know right now. They should know this by the time they come out of here. They should know this when they go into kindergarten and then. And then I had also, like I said, worked as a Title I person. Mm -hmm. So I'd seen some of the testing and some of the things our kids needed. And being here in the city, the test showed a lot of agricultural questions and, mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And so I wanted to address those because our kids were coming out of first grade feeling like failures already because mm -hmm. they didn't have the background to answer these questions. So I wanted to put those in. Mm -hmm. And that, that's how I actually initially started wanting to teach with a lot of the nature items. Yeah. And so I started addressing those things and I did a lot of it through play and exploration. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and it was an aha moment. It's like, look what they're doing. Look at this. And, and I kind of got chastised a little bit, you know, yeah. it was constantly, Miss Palmer, why are your kids filthy every day? Miss Palmer, why are your kids <laughs> digging holes all over the playground? Why are they doing yeah. this? Why are they doing that? It's like, well, look at them. They're learning. Yes. Anything we're learning in that classroom, I could take them outside and they would learn it through addressing that by, by the play and the exploration. Mm -hmm. And so through the years, I kind of pushed back quite a bit. And even though I was told not to do certain <laughs> things, I, I kind of found ways around that and, and did it anyway. And through the years, and then what really excited me is by the time we got through, if you're okay with moving on to that point, oh, yeah. at, at, 
the more we did that, the more I learned also. And mm -hmm. so by the time, we, and I really, really for years have wanted to do more of a, a nature teaching. And I had started bringing in things like little pieces of wood. I was bringing in uh, pine cones and acorns and we'd, we'd do caterpillars and everything like that and watch them, watch them. And the kids learn about metamorphosis and all the segments mm -hmm. of the insects and all those things. And so by the time COVID came along, I had been wanting to do it for such a long time. And because our kids couldn't get out, my little ones couldn't go out of the playground with the older kids, they were allowed to use equipment. And I was out in a modular unit. It's like, well, all we have is this, this area, this grassy area behind us. And a lot of times it was marshy and wet. Mm -hmm. I'm like, look, I need to be able to do something for these kids to get them more involved and, and get them outside and have something to do. So that was when I started pushing back a little bit. Let me do this. Let me get out here with the nature thing. And so they were like, well, okay, go ahead and do it, but we don't have a budget for you. Mm. So I was able to get a number of big truckloads of dirt brought in and found somebody mm. for the bobcat, and they spread that all out for me. Awesome. And then again, little by little, I brought in more things. I had tree slices. I had pieces of logs. Somebody gave me bales of straw. Mm -hmm. Somebody else gave me some bales of hay. So they were able to do comparisons there. Hmm. And I just brought in so many different aspects and even things. And it did, it did look a mess, I admit that. And we it was like, <laughs> hey, we could keep getting all these milk crates. Let's put those out there too, see what the kids do with the milk crates. Yeah. And then we also did a pollinator garden hmm, that, I was, awesome. that I was able to build. Oh, the kids loved it because they got to see different types of flowers come up at different times. Mm -hmm. We got to talk about, look at the different insects that visited. Here's the butterflies. Look, the birds are even coming. Yeah. And what are they doing? So that whole process, that was a whole ecological system right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But with all the other materials that we that I had out there, the kids started learning. They, they started learning. They built their own, they built their own um, obstacle courses. That's so cool. They, you know, they started exploring. Yeah. They were working together. Yeah. So they were learning collaboration. Their, their cognitive abilities just went mm. through the roof because and I have so many, I had so many pictures of them with their heads together, working mm. together, figuring out, oh, look at this worm. How come it has bumps in the middle here? What is this? What is that? Mm. So they start talking about the segments of the worm. Mm. But when they moved the obstacle course around, it was like every day. So I was getting pretty strong because they're like, <laughs> can you move this bale over here? Can you move that bale over there? And they made the obstacle courses and we changed them up on a regular basis. So they learned how to, when you stack different things, mm -hmm. how does it work out when you stack in different sizes? Why does it, why does it tip over? Okay, well, how can we change it? Mm -hmm. They said, well, they had the logs and they wanted to walk on them mm -hmm. and they kept rolling. Okay, yes, it keeps rolling and you fall over. So what can we do to change that? What can we mm -hmm. do to make it stop tipping? And they worked collaboratively again. They put rocks under there or other pieces of small wood mm -hmm. and then it stopped tipping. So they, they were constantly learning and evolving and building onto that prior knowledge. Yes. I love the whole concept of exploration and play mm -hmm. because often I think another stigma and there's a lot of research in psychology on play and how that's like the best way to learn. And we shouldn't just have it in little kid years and then grow out of it. Like I believe in play and high school and so on, you know, as an adult. Um, but when you're using your hands and you're outside and you're using raw materials and you're using each other and you're at that fundamental age of like social development as well and cognitive development, I mean, like you're saying their cognitive ability was just shooting through the roof. And you were doing this during COVID where many kids and obviously in my situation in high school, but I, even little kids were just on the computer on Zoom 
mm-hmm. almost all day long. And you thought about something innovative, like, well, part of public health safety is if we can be outside, like let's build outside classrooms. Like we tried to attempt to do that at my school and many schools were trying to um, experiment with that, but get them outside. It's healthy. We can be out, get fresh air when it's nice out. And now you spent your time and energy and resources to bring all these materials in. This is what teachers do. This is what good teachers do. Like passionate, good teachers will say, you know what? I might push against the system a little bit because I know what's good for kids. And if I have to do things out of my own pocket or I have my own connections with resources, then I'm going to do it. And then you genuinely care and you see them growing and you feel like this was my mission. I should do this. Like I can't stay status quo. I absolutely love that. I love when teachers don't stay status quo and not being completely like this wrecking ball and saying, I'm just going to like fight the system and like piss everyone off. Not like that, but that, that kind of happened a little bit a few times. <laughs> you know what? Go not rogue that, a little not bit, over COVID, fine. but early on. Yeah, yeah. I did kind of, but I, I love that energy fun. because you are being completely the genuine good teacher and doing what's right for the kids. And I think kids need to be outside more at all ages, but when they're young and little, they should be when they can, when it's not freezing cold or snowing or raining, storming, but they should be right. outside and they should look at the world around them. This is also engaging them. Like you said, they basically built a bridge um, and mm-hmm. thinking about how do we support this? Like this could be supporting kids to be like thinking, oh, maybe I want to be like building things when I get older. Maybe they become an engineer. Like it's sparking engineering. Interest. Yeah. Yes. Engineering, architecture, yeah. everything. But they were creating art with with these things. I had because I gave them I built a mud kitchen and the kids were out there and they gave them pots and pans and wooden spoons and all kinds of things. But they would take Clever. and they made you know like back when I was a kid we used to make mud pies. Well, they went way beyond that because with the thin wood slices they pretended those were plates. Mm-hmm. I had a big wooden spool, so that was their table. Yeah, the big wood spool, and so they would make. They would take the mud, put it in the pot, flip it over, put flowers and sticks on top and decorate it. That's awesome. They played. So that was birthday. Yeah. They So they extended that into every single aspect of learning. They did art. I mean, I gave them water bottles to spray. So I had, when I did the pollinator garden, I put bricks. I outlined it with bricks all the way around. So they started looking at that. Oh, let's decorate those. And they took spray bottles and they learned, oh, look, when I spray it with water, it changes colors. Mm. And if I use a little bit of water, a lot of water, it makes a difference and they started spraying her, you know, but they got so much out of, out of all these exploration. But I gave the kids paper and pencils. Mm-hmm. I was like, let's do our art outside. Let's do our small group outside. And I allowed them to spread out where in the classroom was like, okay, we've got eight people at this table. This is our group. And my eight at the other table, we're going to do a group and we're going to sit here and we're going to learn. I let them spread out. Mm-hmm. And so I had kids laying up, laying across the stone, sitting on bales of, and they had tablets mm-hmm. or, or, you know, old fashioned, not tablets, with, not tech yeah, tablets, like actually right on but paper. actual paper, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they're outside and they're writing and they're, they're drawing what they see. And they're using and then, their motor skills. Like the students today yes. have trouble with writing because everything's on the computer. So 
especially at a young age, like you're getting them to engage with their hands, their fine motor skills with writing. I mean, that is so important. So thank you. And doing, doing it that willingly. Work. And yeah. that's the thing. They were doing it willingly. It wasn't a fight. Okay. I really need you to sit here and try to write your name. Oh, look, what is this? You see, oh, there's a butterfly on the flower. What do you think about that? How can you make that? Or yeah. what kind of, if you don't like that butterfly, what kind would you like to make? But they were creating, I took all kinds of scrap materials outside. We had egg cartons. I had pieces of foam take it outside in a big box, dumped it on the ground mm -hmm. with a bunch of tacky glue and paper and pieces of wood. And they did art Yeah. outside yeah. in the grass, That's you know, and inspiring. if they wanted to, yeah. And if they wanted to add in, okay, you want to put some grass on your artwork, grab that. You want to put some dandelions on there, do that. I don't care. Whatever oh it is you want to create. Yeah. That's great. So for my next question, um, and we kind of talked about this a little bit with your, you know, exploration outside, but maybe a little bit more, specific about the pandemic and teaching during that time maybe any challenges with like technology internet you have little ones so getting like little ones engaged on zoom or anything that again also was maybe aha moments or things you learned from it um, that you want to go into you know that was probably the mo one of the most challenging things in my whole career was the sudden shutdown i had a feeling mm -hmm. it was going to happen okay. and i had kind of did a little, a little um, conversation with my students the same day. And I sat them down and we talked about it because I saw it coming. I told them, okay, now there might come a day pretty soon where you won't be able to come to class anymore. And we might have to learn a different way because, and because people are getting sick and we wanna make sure we keep everybody safe. So we might have to stay home and do some learning at home. And sure enough, I got- you said it that way. Right. Well, you have to watch how you phrase things with the little ones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and of course, we always talk about safety first. You know, our first rule at school right, right. is to make sure we keep everybody safe. So they understood that. That was a way that they could understand. And sure enough, I've got, I got the call by the end of that day to make mm -hmm. sure to tell parents they weren't coming to school the next day. Yeah. So, so that was good that I'd already introduced that because at yeah. the point where I got the memo, some of the kids had already left. Mm -hmm. That's how mm -hmm. late in the day it was. Mm -hmm. So... I got that and I had, had never done Zoom. Yeah, either. Had I. never tried to teach. I hadn't had, there was no reason for me to. No. Everything yeah. was in person, my kids come to school. So it was so different and I'm trying to learn how, to, I'm trying to learn how to use all this different technology. Mm -hmm. We had different apps that we were supposed to communicate with because I, initially the parents were not supposed to have our phone numbers. Right. And the apps didn't always work and parents were mm -hmm. aggravated. They're like, look, I'm not doing this. And so we were trying to learn, the parents were trying to learn, the kids were like, hey, I don't have to listen to you because I'm at a computer and you're someplace else right. so we can do what we want. Yeah. So, so that was all really challenging. So we, we were challenged to learn the new technology. Mm -hmm. Our rules and regulations sometimes changed, I swear, every hour throughout the day. Know. You know? Yeah. But the biggest thing that was consistent is we needed to make sure, because you know, Head Start's a federally funded program, we had to make sure that we were keeping contact with these kids and if we didn't have some contact with them throughout the day, they were considered not attending. Mm. And you have to have so much attendance. And so some of the families, it was very challenging because like I said, some of them, maybe their internet wasn't consistent or a lot of the kids had four or five brothers and sisters that were older than them. The parents, a lot of them may have been using a tablet or a phone for the older kids to learn. And here they're all in different grades trying to learn. Mm. And so usually what would happen is a lot of times the little ones had to take lowest priority because if you have a high school, junior high kid, fifth, sixth, eighth, fifth, sixth grade, upper L, they have to be in attendance and they have to learn these things. So they're going to fail. Yeah. yeah. 
So if they only had one device or maybe two devices for them to learn, our kids wouldn't participate that day. Oh, and, wow. You know, and so they, yeah. they wouldn't be, even once we finally figure out how to get the Zoom going the, the correct way, maybe they couldn't do live Zooms. Yeah. So we were doing a lot of other things. We were reading stories and putting them on it. I created a Facebook page. So oh. some of our parents were on Facebook. We were posting stories or lessons mm-hmm. on Facebook. I was contacting parents on Facebook. And yeah. sometimes I couldn't get parents during the day or kids during the day. So I found different tra- there were there were, there were so many trainings all throughout Zoom and mm-hmm. great great trainings, lots of trainings on man, I did so many trainings on trauma, it was crazy. Wow. So yeah. I did all these different trainings during the day, but there were times because I couldn't get our kids during the daytime that I had parents, I would sit there and I had the computer going here, I have my tablet here, my phone here. I have one person on Facebook, one person messaging me one way, somebody else is texting me because between Jeez. their work, well, between their work and their older kids, yeah. they would get with me when they could. Or maybe the kids were with the grandparents mm-hmm. during the daytime and mm-hmm. the parents weren't able to contact me. Mm-hmm. Because our sometimes our being in school is the parents' primary way, that's their childcare. Yes. Unfortunately, yeah. that is their yeah. child care, and they don't have any way to do that. So we have right. parents that had to quit the work, possibly, I too. Know. But some of them couldn't contact us until late at night. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, rather than have them feel like we were ignoring their needs or, or having to have to mark that child as not participating that day, I'm on there with them at 10 o'clock at night. Okay, I've wow. talked to you. Maybe the child's getting ready to go to bed. Okay, you know what? I just read a bedtime story. Let them watch that. That can be lay them down and let them look at the bedtime story on the phone as they fall asleep. Wow. Or something like that. And so that was a good way for the for the kids. I mean, the kids were basically in our home. We were in their homes. Yeah. yeah. This, which is unprecedented. I We've know. never had it. It's always been encouraged. Okay, keep a little bit of a distance. Exactly. Keep your professionalism. Well, you know what? There's no way to keep that. This no. is professional at this yeah. point. Yeah. That yeah. to me, that was professional. I was making sure that there were contact and we wanted everybody to feel like we still cared. Yeah. That is such dedication, Sally. Like I, I can't even relate to that because being in a high school and like I had the advantage of kids having computers sent home with them or they had them already. And most of them I think had pretty decent internet connection. And I think even out of Philadelphia, we got something through Comcast where they were giving it to free kit for kids who didn't have it. But I mean, I, I couldn't even think about that concept of parents contacting you at night and they had to do this check-in because it's a federally funded program and they're also struggling and you're really trying to work with the parents and be there for them. Like for anyone, maybe who's listening to this outside of education or also in education that never experienced that this is the dedication that a lot of teachers do in their profession that you would never see in any other industry. Like I know so many people in other industries where nine to five, five o'clock's over, don't email me. I don't need to check my email. I don't need to do anything. And I think, I mean, there is a work-life balance people should have for their own mental health, but at the height of the pandemic and the lockdown, we didn't have that choice. And I mean, I didn't have what you had, but you didn't have that choice. It was literally like, this is what I had to do. And it was like crisis mode. I mean, it is such a different profession. And I don't think a lot of people see that side of it. And then they only see like, well, teachers are off in the summer or they had all these holidays. And I'm like, you don't see that in times like this or other times of crisis or other times that are really, or you're in working with low income communities and parents are working all the time. Like your life doesn't end. It's not an eight to three. It's, 
it's sometimes well into the evening and it's also not you just extending yourself because you know you know you think you have to but it's like because you care and you're like this is the right thing to do but it is also really really hard on the teachers like I can't imagine that it it was and and like I said and again we made a deeper I've always made connections with my families it's never been a standard eight-hour job for me it's Mm -hmm. always been even on vacation, let me see, oh, look, I, I saw this. Let me take this back to the kids. Oh, let me do this. Oh, look, here's something else I can teach the kids with. Yeah. Even my son, he's like, we'd go on vacation. He'd say, are you ever, can you ever just stop being a teacher? I'm like, well, no, that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> I hear that I all the time too. Back. So it was never standard that. Right. And I've always worked at trying to get resources. You know, if I, okay, this family over here needs, needs food or they need some clothes. Let me see what I can do to get resources for you. But mm-hmm. even, but over the pandemic, it was almost like they were extended family. Yeah. A lot of people were extended family. And I'm watching these people and I'm seeing their life on Facebook where we right. wouldn't have had that type of connection. And somebody's, okay, grandma just passed away from COVID right. or this person just passed away or something else happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing their lives and, and their drama and their sorrow every day as well. Mm-hmm. And so I can't show mine because I was going through a lot of things also. Oh my gosh, I couldn't yeah. put that out there yeah. because of what they were going through. I was it wasn't that kind of a, a relationship. Okay, I'm here for you to lean on, but I can't do that. I can't yeah. show mine. Yeah. And I so that's such but, a good point. Um, you know, and so we were as teachers and I wasn't the only one, a lot of us were keeping all of our stuff, our personal things in because yeah. we were addressing everyone else's needs. And on top of that, hearing everyone say, Well, why should you guys get paid? You don't need yeah. to get paid. You're not even working most of the time. Yeah. And, and, you know, even family members yeah. were calling and saying, I'm calling the school board and I'm yelling at them. I don't want to pay taxes this year because teachers aren't working anyway. That's insane. And um, I'm like, you don't understand. We're working more. I'm up at, you know, I don't maybe when we were on lockdown, I didn't have to get up and get dressed, but I get up, wash it real fast. Okay, I have 15 minutes. Let's get the computer on and get going. And I would literally be on there sometimes most of the day until, like mm-hmm. I said, 11, 12, there were times it's like, hey, they're doing this really great thing over in Finland, and I want to see what ideas they're using mm, to so address cool. this. I'm up yeah. at one o'clock in the morning so I could participate live. Wow. A conversation that was going on across the world because all around yeah. the world this was happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we addressed it in different ways, in different yeah. manners. Yeah. You are like one of the most dedicated teachers that I have had the privilege to meet. I, I mean, I wish I like worked alongside you. I mean, I, it, these stories are incredible to the fact that you got on calls at one in the morning because another country was doing something innovative and cool. Like you have that curiosity. And I think it stems from what you talked about in the first question when you were a child and you were really interested in like zoology and wildlife, which I think is like coming back into play now with your outdoor education and love for nature and getting kids out there. But you have this like real curiosity and this passion that you want to drive into education. And I love that. That's very, very unique. Not many teachers are that dedicated. But you're right, like, um, even though we're like not getting ready for work, you can still be in like maybe yoga pants, pajama pants, but all the prep that goes into it, it's not just that 40 minutes or hour for a class on Zoom. There's like meetings, calls with parents, all the prep work to post videos. You're doing trainings on Zoom. You're Now you're doing like Zoom calls in other countries to learn other things. Like that is like beyond the workday and so many hours. And, but being, it sounds like, you're in that moment going, you're not checking boxes going, oh, this is just my job. I have to do it. You didn't have to do that. Like you were dedicated and passionate and believed that 
if you're going to do this, you're going to do it the best that you can do it. And that it's incredible, Sally. Thank That's you so the only much. way to do it. Thank you so much. So kind of leading into our last question, because this is all about innovation is, and you kind of got into that in the last question with outdoor education, but um, just your ideas for education reform, how we can make education better in America, things that we can take away from the pandemic, or just anything that is like inspiring, innovative to you that you would love to see in schools. I still say, like we talked about the, the exploration and the outdoor learning and those kind of things. I don't see a reason why they can't bring that in all through, all the way through. Yeah. Rather than having kids sitting at desks all day long, as I've said, I've talked to some of the older kids that are so upset and resentful that, okay, the little kids get to go outside and at least they get mm. to have recess to some degree. But you know, even I've talked to kindergartners and first grades that, oh, we had to, we had to do extra reading today. We couldn't go outside. Oh, wow. We didn't get to do that. And they're so sad. And I really think that all through K through 12, it's a very important aspect of learning because when they're outside, again, they're getting gross motor, they're getting the cognitive, they're getting collaboration. And your brain is, we, we've proven, there's been so many studies that prove that movement uh, stimulates the brain, it yes. stimulates learning. Yes. And they're gonna learn so much more if they're getting out and they're, they're exerting some of that extra energy. You talk about behavior issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, if they could get out and they could exert some of that energy and they could move and they could do things, mm -hmm. maybe you don't have, you wouldn't have so many behavior issues. There's no yeah. reason. It's like some of the things I told you, if they would, just like I did the obstacle courses on a small scale, you've got big kids, you could take mm -hmm. them outside. They could have logs, they could have two mm -hmm. by fours. Mm -hmm. They could learn when they're taking these, even your math, Okay, mm -hmm. you know what? Let's build this. Okay, well, it didn't work when we did this. Mm -hmm. How many extra feet do you need? You can you can do yeah. all of your math with your with your measuring. You can do your angles. Mm -hmm. I think geometry. about it. Um, our ninth grader now they flip some things mm -hmm. around, and I believe they take geometry in ninth grade and now physics. Yes. And those two go hand in hand. They do. And we have this uh, goal coming up. Uh, we have like three big goals. One of them is sustainability, but like working with the environment and I was telling my head of school how cool would it be if we worked with the math department and science department history department I'm sure we could bring English in there and we learn how to maybe build an outdoor garden using like crops that would have been grown here naturally like when the Native Americans lived in our area mm -hmm. we talk about the Lenape um, in New Jersey and uh, kind of like you know, honor the land, but then build a structure, build something like using geometry, using physics, bringing those teachers together and creating a project for the whole school. And you can do that. I mean, the ninth grade takes those subjects, but then they already took it. So that could be ninth through 12th. You could have all the grades exactly. working together on something, but, and then there's also buy-in of like, I'm doing something that's going to help this community. I'm building something for the school or I'm building I was an outdoor classroom that. and now it's yes. going to be a permanent installation. And it's not just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned this lesson. I did this homework assignment. Give me the grade check. Everything's checking boxes right now for the kids and they're bored. Like I can see it. They are. Like they are bored. And when they are outside and it's like an actual thing project that they're doing or when they're using their hands or when they're thinking in like an innovative way or they're doing something that gives back to their community, they light up because they see purpose, you know? Exactly, and, and, to, and to feed into what you just said, it isn't even just math and science. Look at what you just said about bringing in the native crops. Okay, so now you're learning, you're learning history. You're mm -hmm. learning culture when mm -hmm. you're talking about those things. So you can, you're doing research because you can research and you read. You've just brought everything that they do yes. 
into one except the art but they could there's no reason they can't do your art students can't come out oh let's do some sketches let's do some yeah. watercolors yeah. let's do some of this they can and, sketch and, out what this uh plan will look like of a garden or a yes. classroom like draw it out and with English, which is leaning into them. architecture and yeah. yes English, we could find a book or reading short stories about Native Americans mm -hmm. and their culture, and then we can analyze it and talk about the importance of it, and then they can write about it. And so you can, you can do it all. You've just increased their vocabulary naturally. Right, exactly. So, yeah, it's doable. It's doable. It's putting in the time and like kind of going into what you're talking about with outdoor education. And I think, like, one thing I've talked about before. And I think we're gonna have some kind of change in our schedule next year is we can't just stay in the status quo schedule. The schedules now, particularly in high school is factory style. It's like go to this is. subject, this subject, this subject, this subject. There's like eight subjects in a day, which is ridiculous. And it's just, again, checking boxes and going through the motions. Well, then how are you gonna get teachers or people wanting to build these types of projects and use things outside when we don't have it in our schedule? So there needs to be collaboration built into our schedule. There needs to be flexibility to say, you know, here's our schedule where we go through our classes, but we're gonna have a day a week, maybe on Wednesdays in the middle of the week where it's just project-based. Like we mm -hmm. have this project on school where it's interdisciplinary and we're bringing all of the subjects together. We're gonna spend the day working on that project. And maybe that's like the morning and in the afternoon, we're going to concentrate on like mental health, wellness, exercise, yoga, whatever, get PE in there. And you have this day in the middle of the week of all the hubbub of all your schedules and tests and everything that you're like purely all about project-based health and wellness, moving your body, doing all of this. And you can do it. It's not that hard to change schedules. Like it's just, we keep doing what we keep doing because I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's just scared to make big shifts in our schedules, but you have to, you have to make it work. You can have all these wonderful ideas that teachers like you and I and others have, but if we can't figure out a way to like fit it into how a school schedule looks, like how's it going to change? So something has to be manipulated. Well, and if you want to go into that too, you said something about the like factory, factory learning almost. Well, if you look back historically, that's actually what our learning is. It yes. was our, our learning has been designed by the environment around us and the businesses saying this is what we need kids to learn. Yeah. We need them to be we need them to be available for certain types of jobs, manufacturing. It had it's it's crazy. The public education system. I mean, I'm in a private school, but just like education system in general started in the early 1900s. Kids were working in factories and yes. they finally created public education so that you can get kids into schools and get educated. And the actual model of the schedule and the subject as standalone mm -hmm. subjects for most schools, I would say there's definitely progressive schools and there's definitely there's exceptions. schools and different things. But for the most part in the public school education system, in many even independent schools, it hasn't changed that much in a hundred years. It it's hasn't. crazy. Like I, I have not even really reflected on this that deeply until the pandemic happened. I feel like the pandemic was a time to make us think differently. Like I don't want a pandemic to happen, but I was saying this to a friend recently. I think it had to happen. Like I literally think it had to make us all stop and do something different for a year or whatever. And I think it's like the world saying, can you please make some major changes like in education, in healthcare, in social racial issues, in all environmental. And now I feel like we're like, 
yeah, we're not really there yet. I'm like, do you want another pandemic to happen? Like right. what is going to make us actually change? We have to change. Exactly. That was our moment. That was our I moment. I think there's, exactly. And I do think there's a bit at least more exploration. Yes. Nothing I do. else. I do. I'm seeing a lot more things happen, not just here, but around the world. Yes. Oh, for sure. Around, yeah, you like know, in many other around countries. The world. Right. Yeah. Because I was seeing little pockets of outdoor uh, programs. I'll, and I'll, I'm going to put a plug in here for Chippewa Nature Center up in up in Midland, Michigan, cool. because they're amazing. That was one of the places where some years ago I, I took a whole day. Off, I took a day off from work and I went up there because I wanted to see what they were doing. Yeah. And they have they have an amazing nature program mm -hmm. where they teach. But it's again, for it's just for the little ones. It's early education. Mm -hmm. But there again, if we had something like that where older kids could go also. But I've mm -hmm. seen different programs popping up here and there. I try to follow that closely and see how many more are growing on a regular basis. And there there are more. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what else I've seen is a lot more, I believe increased a lot because people didn't want to be part of the regular system and they wanted their kids out or they were afraid that they were going to get COVID so they didn't send them into the schools. Right. So many people are looking at wild schooling, forest schooling, mm. and, and different types cool. of outdoor education. And there's so much that you can look up online. Yeah. And I learned a lot too. And I actually... And while I was doing all that on Facebook, I also conferenced with a, with a lot of parents who were trying to teach their kids at home and gave them a lot of ideas cool. on things that they could do. Yeah, yeah. Because they're, really, they're everyone became like a, a homeschooler teacher at that point. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. That's so neat. Um, I also like this, again, going back to your dedication. So I took a day off from work. So most people take a day off from work. Well, you know, you take it when you're sick, but you're like, I have a personal day, so I'm going to take it for me and I'm going to do shopping or I'm going to go do a spa day, or I'm just going to go and take naps. You're like, I took a personal day. I took a day off of work to go actually learn <laughs> more and explore more about how to better education. I'm like, come on, Sally. Like you're just a rock star. You know, I lost, awesome. right. Because well, I lost like over 200 sick days because I didn't take them when the school system switched over when they when they switched when head start switched over from our public school system to a different i don't want to put too much so to a different system and we weren't part of the public schools i hadn't taken my days i had over 200 sick days and i lost most of them wow. so because i didn't do them but we were almost at the end i was like you know what i have all these days i might as well use one to go up here and learn something else that That's i want so to do cool. wow so yeah you shouldn't have to lose those days that's crazy i know well, um so I'm going to kind of finish up here, but is there any last final um, words or statements just about education or anything you want to say before we uh, end this interview? You know, like I said, I just hope that this this progression continues. Well, like I said, I've seen so many with the earlier programs start branching out and begin to, to add in different things for doing the nature programs or the exploration. It doesn't necessarily have to be nature per se, but exploration overall and the project-based learning and like i said and and branching out into the older older kids it's just so much more beneficial yeah it's actually beneficial for the staff as well because yeah. then they're moving and doing things and it's good for their mindset too yeah and it's also good for mental health which is now mm -hmm. become a major concern with kids um with kids board. and teachers look how many teachers have left education yeah. it was already starting before the pandemic yeah. and the stress and the trauma that i think so many teachers yeah. dealt with and nobody could see it yeah 
Nobody's nobody attributed any. Oh, they're fine. They're fine. They're sitting at home in their pajamas all day long, not doing anything. So if we infuse the outdoor education, not just for our students, but for staff, get people outside doing real work with their hands, doing something that really gives back to the community, to the school. I don't know. It would just, I think, bring this new energy and light to everyone. And that could definitely help with um, the overall mental health. And I think the overall exhaustion that we all have from the pandemic. Yes, and if we could balance that out, maybe we would see those see a slowdown in the exodus from teaching. I think so. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sally. This has been a really great conversation. I just kudos to you. You are a rock star teacher. You have so much dedication, and I've learned so much about early education as well. Because this has been really exciting. Because mostly, you know, teachers I talk to are in the high school field. So this has been great. And um, I love it. I love the whole concept of outdoor education and exploration. So thank you. Thank you very much for interviewing me. I appreciate it. I, you know, I'd love to talk anytime. Yes. And hopefully we'll meet in the future, maybe in person. I hope so. Thank you. All right. Bye. Have a good bye. day. You too. Bye-bye.